Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Well, welcome back. It's good to see everybody in the house. We love you and we're excited to be starting a new series. Thank you for doing that. A new series. And we've entitled it, Don't Do Life Alone. Someone say, Don't Do Life Alone. You ever felt lonely? Uh-huh. Somebody told me that this past week, and it rocked me. I've gone through seasons where I feel lonely, and sometimes you're in a room full of people and you feel lonely. And sometimes, you know, you're disconnected from a group and you feel lonely. But there's seasons of loneliness where you don't feel understood, where you're going through something, or, or you're not connected as a whole. We have here what we call connect groups. We named them years ago. I think it was 2016 or so. And here's what our connect groups are. Our connect groups in this ministry are small Bible study groups where you can meet with ladies, all ladies, or you can meet with all men. So the men with the men, the women with the women as a whole. And we have groups that meet throughout the week here in this ministry all over town. Some here at the church, some at people's homes. Um, I believe one of our, our ladies is doing one at the house. Is she doing it at the House of Hope? Ms. Debbie is doing a Bible study over there. So we have what we call connect groups. They're Bible studies. And I'm going to talk to you today about small groups. I'm going to talk to you about connection in general this month because it is so very, very important to be connected somewhere. I want to just give you my testimony about small groups. I believe Dad initiated, our senior pastor and founding pastor, him and Mom founded this ministry years ago, and I believe Dad and Mom initiated small groups years ago. I would say it was 2002, the summer of 2002. And I believe, in many ways, they saved my life and saved my relationships because of some of the points that I'm going to talk to you about today. It was a pivotal time in my life. Um, I just turned 26 years of age. I was praying about getting married. I, I, it was a few months before I'd even met my wife, Jen. We were, we were about to meet each other that October. I didn't know it. I'd been praying. But I believe small groups saved my life in so many ways by keeping me connected. You say, wait, weren't you serving in the ministry? Weren't you an associate pastor? Weren't you business administrating, doing different things here at the ministry? Yes. But small groups and being connected somewhere, not just on a Sunday morning, not just on a Wednesday evening, and those are important. How many of you know those are important? Because you're connected, you're part of the whole. But for the most part, on a Sunday morning in a crowd this size, what, maybe 80, 85 people, you're not going to get to speak all that's on your heart. Not usually unless you're talking to someone individually. What we love about the small groups is the connection they bring, the sense of belonging, the sense of I'm needed, the sense of I am loved. Now, a gentleman, just before I got to preach here, he said, you know what? He said, I've been in churches all over the place, and this has to be the friendliest church I've ever been in. And that, that just touches my heart because I, I tell people that we are friendly and loving and very welcoming. But let me tell you something. You want to stay connected to this ministry? You want to grow in God? You want to go places in God? You want to see the next levels and steps in your life? You really should pray about being part of a small group. In fact, you don't even have to pray about it. You find one that you fit into. All right? 
I have a small group for men. Men are welcome to that Bible study. We have numerous women's groups. We're going to build on the men's small groups. But I'm telling you right now, they can save your life in so many ways. And I will get into that here in a moment. But let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Man, small groups in this church came along at a very pivotal time in my life and helped me to cope. That year that we initiated small groups, man, it was a tough year. I'd been through some months of personal battle, just really dealing with some stuff, some heavy things. God was preparing me for marriage and the next steps in the ministry. And, man, I'd been through some stuff. And small groups came along at just the right time. Look at what the Apostle Paul says here in the letter to the Hebrews. He says, and let us not neglect, one translation says, forsake our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I believe Pastor Fabian's talking on his favorite subject in the Spanish ministry this month, and that is the second coming of Jesus. It's funny how this ties into that because we want to stay connected, because especially, especially now more than ever because the return of Jesus is near. Don't ever become one of the scoffers that the Bible talks about and say, well, We've, we've been talking about that for years. Oh, Jesus is coming soon. I remember I told a guy that once. I was in high school. It's been a long time ago. And I said, did you know that Jesus is going to return soon? It didn't mean he was coming the next week. It meant in our lifetime. It could very likely be in our lifetimes with the things that are happening. And the guy was a churchgoer, and he laughed in my face. I will never forget. He laughed at me. I said, well... Scripture says the return of Christ is near, and that was 2,000 years ago. That means at some point he's coming back. If you're a believer, you believe. You believe in Jesus. You've accepted him. You believe he's going to come back. You believe his words that he is returning for his people one day. And because that day is drawing near, look, it's even better time than ever. Let's read that whole verse again. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Someone say encourage. Yeah, encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I'm talking about small groups, Bible studies, ladies with ladies, men with the men. That's just kind of the format here at the church. Also, there, I mean, there's been successful Bible studies over the years that had married couples in them, and that's great. But we've got to encourage each other, meet together. And we're going to talk more about that here in a minute because Jesus will return soon. Did you know they're talking about? I remember it came out in 2020, the government reported it, and then they kind of took it back and didn't want people to panic. They wanted us to panic during COVID, but they didn't want us to panic about this. They said, it looks like an asteroid's going to hit the earth in 20, 2029, Friday the 13th, 2029. Wow, isn't that something? Well, that sounds like something out of the book of Revelation, huh? It's not to scare you, but it's just to show you that Jesus predicted all these things thousands of years ago, and they're on their way. Things are happening. They're happening now all over the world. Just look in our government, look in our country, the things that are going on now sexually, things that are going on in the media, things that are going on all over the world, and we know that the day of his return is soon. So now better than ever is the time to connect and stay connected. Can I get an amen in this house? It's the best time in the world to be connected. So why are small groups Why are small groups so very important? Well, how about this? Number 1, accountability. Accountability. 
Do you know people end up committing crimes, getting hooked on substances, doing all these other things because they're not, there's other factors there, but because they are not accountable to anyone. They're not accountable. What is accountability? It's answering to someone. Let me give you a good example of that. I'm married. We've been married now 17 years this month. Near the end of this month, September 28th, we've been married 17 years. Praise God. Through God's grace, we've had ups and downs, but we love each other. We're good at being married together. We, we work on it. We pray about it. We come back together. We talk. But one of the secrets to our success, I believe, is accountability. Being open with each other. I don't just have an entire day where my wife doesn't know where I am and I'm not responding to her. She not only has the app to find me, you know, our, you know find me on iPhone, the little green app, you guys familiar with that? If she absolutely can't find me, she could look on there, right? But I'm not hiding. I don't just deliberately have silence where I'm hiding out from her and she doesn't know what I'm doing so I can just do whatever I want. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have a free will, but at any moment of the day, I don't, I don't just tell her everywhere I'm going all day. I could. But sometimes, and I love this because I was, I'm telling you, small groups instilled this in me, the ability to be accountable because I wasn't this way when I got married. And I've practiced it over the years. But I've had my wife tell me, baby, you don't have to tell me everything. What you're like, I don't need, I don't need an update every moment. You know? And I've done it out of habit, out of wanting to do right. God's delivered me from some things. I'm free. God's with me. And I, I want to be accountable. But I let my wife know what I'm doing. Hey, I'm on my way home. Hey, I'm gonna, here's where I'm going to be today. Or here. And we don't give each other the, the exact rundown of everything, but my wife usually knows in general exactly what my day looks like. She'll ask me, what, what, are, you, what are you doing today? What's your plans? Oh, I'm teaching an English class. I'm teaching a Spanish class. I have staff meeting. I'm going to run by the office and talk to Ari and Valeria. Ms. Norma, I'm going to go by and talk to the office staff. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to be at the church praying. We talk about, hey, where are you? What are you doing? Those aren't jealous questions, right, if you're accountable. What are you doing right now? Okay, here's what I'm doing. Accountability. Look at this great example from the Bible, and this, this blows me away. Lack of accountability. 1 Kings 1, verse 5 and 6. This was at the time that David had already chosen Solomon, his son, to succeed him to the throne of Israel. Everybody knew Solomon was going to be the next king. Well, he had an older brother named Adonijah. His mother was Haggith. What a name. He began boasting, I will make myself king. Will you now? So he provided himself with chariots and charioteers, and he recruited 50 men to run in front of him. I guess that's the ancient entourage. 50 men, run ahead of me, I'm going to be king, he declared himself. Now his father, King David, look at this. Amazing that the writers of 1 Kings, or the writer, said, look at how Adonijah was, one of David's sons. His father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, why are you doing that? He'd never even been questioned. Adonijah had been born next after Absalom, and he was very handsome. Oh, even worse, right? Even worse. He was handsome. He thought he was all that plus tax. And he was just going to do whatever he wanted. He was going to make himself king. He'd never been accountable because no one had ever questioned him. How many of you know 
Connect groups are not for confrontation like that. I'm just saying connect groups are, hey, here's what's going on in my life. I want to be accountable to you about this. Here's something I've struggled with. Here's, here's where I'm going to be next week. I won't be here. Accountability is good. Why is accountability so good? It protects you. And not only keeps you connected, it protects you. Now, as humans, many times I speak of us in general, we're not going to get connected until we've really gone through something. And that's fine. But bringing up COVID once again, I, one thing I hated about COVID is I felt like it was an attack of the enemy to disconnect everybody. Stay at home with two or three or four or five family. Don't meet for Thanksgiving. I thought, who, who do you think you are? How dare you tell us that? And don't, here's a big one, and don't go to church. It's not safe there. Well, it's not safe being lonely at home thinking depressed thoughts. Being sad and disconnected and feeling like, man, nobody knows what I'm even doing or going through. I met, there was a guy around the corner from us. We lived on Permian at the time. And the guy told me, man, what's up, Matt? How you doing? I said, hey, this guy's really cool. He's just always been good to us. I've known him since he was a kid. He's married, lives over there by Broadmoor Elementary School. And he said, man, have you gotten COVID? And this was in 2020. I said, no, I hadn't gotten it at that point. And he said, "Uh, I got it, man. I was here two weeks alone. He said, I almost didn't make it. He said, man, I was depressed and lonely, and I, I had no idea. I don't, I'm not connected with him like that. He doesn't have a home church that he goes to faithfully. Man, it broke my heart. I said, look at all this dis- disconnection going on. Disconnection. Accountability. It's good in all areas for protection. And you say, here's what's happening right now. Here's what's happening in my life. Here, I need, to, I, need to, I need to take this burden off my shoulders. Let me, let me tell you what's going on. Let's go to Romans 14, 12. Romans 14, 12. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. One of the best places to do that. Sure, it's in church on a Sunday or Wednesday, but man, even more so in a small group, a connect group. You meet and you talk. And some people, let's just be real. Maybe I'm reading your mail, maybe not. Maybe it's for someone on the live stream. But some people don't want small groups or a a connect group, a small Bible study group, because they don't want people knowing what's going on in their lives. And that's between them and God. There's no pressure there. But I do want to tell you this. Running and ducking and hiding is not healthy. Have things ever gotten better for you running and ducking and hiding? Not me. We've all had seasons like that. It's like, man, I don't want to be around anybody. And I'm, I'm an extrovert. See, man, I don't want to be around people. I just, I'm going to do my own thing, whether it was secrets or not, or just, man, I'm just disconnected. Did you know the, the, favorite, the favorite part of the army, army that the enemy likes to attack, just like in real life, the enemy loves to attack those that are straggling and they're in small, they're, 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 they're walking alone, they're straggling, and they're struggling behind the main body of the army. Those are the ones that you can easily attack and kidnap and kick their tails. It's easy. They're not part of the main body. There's a saying in Spanish. How many of you habla español in this house? A little bit. Some of you? There's a saying in Spanish. It says, no somos machos, pero somos muchos. We may not be real manly and tough, but there's a bunch of us. Right? You can't whip all of us. Come on. United we stand, divided we fall, Scripture says. Know what Jesus said? Matthew chapter 18, he said, 
Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. So God has always honored the principle and the foundational truth of getting together in these small groups. Wow. What are the... You know what? I don't have this in the list. Maybe Valeria can help, help Faith back there. In the bulletin, I have a reference in Ecclesiastes. Would you put that up for me? See if you can find that real quick. I did not give it to you, and I, I apologize. I just felt led by the Spirit of God. I was felt quickened. Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I just, I just went blank. Where is that? It says where two are better than one. Help me out. I put y'all on the spot today, didn't y'all? Didn't I? Hold on, I had it. Thank you. Ecclesiastes 4.9, and I believe we're going to go through 4.12. Thank you. I was in the wrong chapter, and I'm the one who gave Valeria the verses for the bulletin. Ecclesiastes 4.9, look at this. Look at the power of being with someone, being connected to someone. Two people are better off than one. Someone say two are better than one. For they can help each other succeed. Huh. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You guys remember that guy years ago? And he was courageous and he survived. But he fell. He was up. I guess he was a mountain climber. He was all alone, and he fell down between a crevice between two rocks, and he caught his arm in there. Do you guys, you guys remember that story? To survive, he had to cut off his own arm, didn't he? It might have been different had he had someone with him. Think about that. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I love this translation. Let's keep going. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, huh? My wife would just get close to me when we're laying down and say, I'm freezing. You're so warm. And I'm burning up, right? Two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Well, it's more challenging. You've got to wear socks and something. Some long johns, a hoodie. A person standing alone now can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. I love that. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. You know a rope that has more strands in it, the thicker it is, the harder it is to tear apart, isn't it? So two are better than one. Three is even better, and, and so on and so forth. So it's great for accountability, but, man, it's great for protection in all areas. Now, this account accountability, this point ties into another point for me, and that is number two today. Honesty. Part of accountability is being honest. But small groups help me to learn to be honest and accountable with people around me and to talk more about my weaknesses. Naturally, I don't know how everybody is in here. I don't know all of your temperaments. But naturally, I think I struggle with secrets. I don't know about you. Now, keeping a secret is great for someone. They, gave, they said, man, I need to share this. You want to honor that. Their life is not in danger. Someone else's life is not in danger. So you honor that. You keep your word. You keep confidence. And we do that in the small group. When someone is honest about something, hey, if their life's not in danger and, and somebody else's life's not in danger, we're, we're not going to share that. That stays right there. 
I've had people talk to me that didn't go to this church. Hey, say, can I tell you something, man? It just stays between us. I say, if, if your life is safe and people around you are safe, then yes, I'm a pastor. I, I have to keep your confidence. But I learned over the years in small groups, and it was really reinforced in marriage, that I really need to learn to be honest and open. Many relationships have failed because people never learned about accountability, number one, and they never, never learned, number two, about honesty. Being honest about things, speaking the truth about things we're carrying can set us free. Did you know that? Sometimes you just need to tell somebody. Now let me make it graphic because it's graphic on your, your Instagram and Facebook feeds sometimes, isn't it? People talk about all kinds of junk. I'm not saying you're looking at weird junk, but I'm saying people talk about crazy junk, don't they? Let's just be real on a Sunday morning. Sometimes people need to talk to someone because they say, I looked at pornography, and I don't, I, I don't want to be like that. Or I said something I shouldn't have said. Or, man, I stole something. Man, I shouldn't have done this. Or, man, I did something. I need to talk to someone about this. I made a, I made a big mistake here. Truth and hard truth, speaking hard truth, can help to save your life, just like accountability. I've had to tell my wife some things in our marriage that I thought I was never going to tell anyone. And it was tough. And I've had to share some hard truths up here that I thought, man, I remember before I was a pastor, I thought I'm never going to tell anybody about that. Remember as a kid, a neighbor briefly sexually abused me. It didn't go the distance. It wasn't crazy. Some of you have been through way worse. But man, I know it put a spirit of lust and perversion on me, and Satan had a plan to destroy my life. That's part of my testimony. And I remember years ago, that spirit of perversion, I could hear it. I could hear hear the enemy saying, guess what, Matt? I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to wreck your life, and I'm going to kill you over this. I could hear it. The lonely, dark watches of the night when I'm all alone struggling with that junk, I could hear it say, I'm going to destroy you. But because I was accountable and honest, not just with my wife, but even in small group and from up here, I'm going to tell you it's liberating up here to be able to tell you this. I was sexually abused, but I'm healed now. And I'm free now. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Because you know what? You're next if you want it. You're next. Some of you have battled with stuff. You're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. You say, man, this is one of my sayings. I'm taking this to the grave. Don't do it. Talk to somebody, man. Many times we don't talk. We're not honest because we're scared stiff. We say they're going to think poorly of me. They're going to, man, they're going to tell someone. You got to share you got to share. you got to learn to come clean. Did you know, I don't know if, it, you don't have to raise any hands this morning, but did you know why Alcoholics Anonymous and some of these small groups, PADAP and these different things, Narcotics Anonymous, you know why they've seen success? And I don't know what their success rate is. They're small groups, and they talk about putting God first, surrendering to a higher power, but many times they use the term God. We believe in God and His Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit, right? That's what we preach out of the Bible. But let me tell you this. They're honest and accountable, and they find true, meaningful connection in there, and they don't have to carry the burden anymore. 
I do not personally agree with saying the rest of your life that you're an alcoholic, but I get what they mean. They mean I can't be tasting that junk because it'll wreck me. I know where it takes me. Or I am a drug addict, whatever they say. I believe that once you're saved and you're, you're delivered, you are not that anymore. But I see the point that they're getting across. A lot of what they're doing is very humble, and they're doing it and finding it and finding each other in small groups. And they find God in a small group. Many of those who get into Alcoholics Anonymous. And then they have what's called a sponsor. Many of you know about this. But they've got to learn honesty. Someone say honesty. Let's go to Colossians 3, verse 9. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Let's keep going. Put on your new nature. Someone say new. New nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. God is not a liar. We're called to tell the truth. You say, I can't tell everybody. No, 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 no. But many times you need to surrender this over to someone and talk to them. As a matter of fact, there are many of you in this room today. Bear with me. This is by the Spirit of God. I wouldn't bring this up. That you need to talk to somebody about something. Something from your past has weighed you down. It's depressed you. It's given you anxiety. You need to talk to your spouse if you're married. Say, man, they will, they will, oh man, they, oh, they, they, may not, they may not want to be with me. No, no, no. They really love you. They can know the worst thing about you and still love you. But many times in our minds, we make this big old illusion that, oh, this is the worst thing ever. And not saying it wasn't bad, whatever you've gone through or experienced or done. But I'm telling you this, it will shrink in your mind if you just share it with someone. You need to talk to someone you trust, preferably a believer, but you need to share that. That's part of putting on your new nature, saying, man, I'm going through this. I've struggled through this. I've suffered through this. Man, I did this. Let's go to James 5.16. You're familiar with this one. Confess your sins. One translation says your faults to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is talking about physical healing, but I believe it's also emotional soul healing. In your mind, your will, and your emotions. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great what? power and produces wonderful results. Let's go to the beginning of that verse again. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's being honest and accountable. Did you know that honesty also builds trust? Especially in a close relationship. I don't walk up to strangers in the store. Can you imagine? Go, man, here's what I did. I need to tell somebody. Unless I'm tripping, man, right? Or, man, this is my past. Let me get... Unless I'm testifying to them about something. Honesty builds trust. And I believe God blesses honesty. I, it's one of his commandments. Thou shalt not lie, right? From the Old Testament. If you love God and you love others, you're going to be honest with them. But you say, but volunteering information about myself, I'm telling you, it gets easier in a small group. It gets easier one-on-one. -on -one. You need to talk to somebody eventually. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. So we got accountability, honesty. Now how about this? How about friendship? You don't have to raise your hands, but everybody needs a good friend or two or three. Some say, man, i got 50 friends. Well, chances are you're not that close with all of them. But everybody needs friendships. And I believe friendships are built up in small groups and small group settings. Just like coming to church. On a Sunday, on a Wednesday night, much smaller group on a Wednesday night, maybe 20 to 30 people. 
But man, folks need that. They need the connection. They, they, we speak to each other. We, we share the word together. We worship. People need friendship. Someone say friendship. You need friendship. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So encourage each other. That word came up earlier. Encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Keep doing it. That's how you build friendship and trust, man, building each other up, talking to each other. Man, you can do this. You can make it. I got you. I'm here. Here's my number. You know how to reach me. Let's go to Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. You seen metal touch metal? It creates sparks, doesn't it? Sometimes it's dangerous. Sometimes it's really, really good. And you sharpen each other. You get the rough edges off. You polish each other. You need friends. You need friendship. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Man, I'm married, and my wife is my dearest friend in the universe. We confide everything in each other. But, man, I've had some close friends, even among my own family. And my brother and I have been best friends, man, just about all our lives. And through some of the toughest times... I don't know if he'd want you to tell me this, but I'm going to brag on him a little bit. I can, I can pinpoint certain times in my life where I was so discouraged to the point of tears. I remember I changed jobs when I was like 21, and it went down real whack. There was some crazy stuff going on at work, and I'd given them, I'm going to tell on myself, y'all ready? Let me be accountable. I'd given them a two-week notice. I'd given them a two-week notice, but man, there was just weird spirits in that place. I'm not going to say where it was here in town. And it was, I was at the point where I was uncomfortable. And I can work through uncomfortable. I'm not one of these guys that uh, everything has to be comfortable. That's not it. But it just, I felt like I couldn't do it another minute. I'd gone a week into my two-week notice, and man, a new girl started working there. And I knew her. She'd actually been a fellow church member for years, so I knew her pretty well, and she'd started working there with me. And I had had it one day. And I said, you know what? Here's the keys. I'll never forget the look on her face, because she knew I didn't roll like that. She was like, Matt, are you serious? You gave it. I go, I know. I gave a two-week notice. I'm halfway in. I can't do it here anymore. I don't like what's going on. I don't like the vibe. I don't like the sin, the way, with the leadership. I, I don't like this. I, I I said, I got to go. Here's my keys. She goes, she knew I was a kid or two. So she was like, you're kidding, right? And y'all are looking at me going, uh, I'm waiting for the punchline. Did you shoot someone? Did you knock out a window? No. I broke my word about my two-week notice. I'm big about keeping my word if at all possible. But I, in the middle of the work day, I just said, you know what? I cannot do it anymore. I'm out of here. Bye. Well, I left. <clears throat> My parents got wind of it. They said, what do you mean you're not working next week? Didn't you give a yes, a two-week notice? Well, man, I was bummed out. They were pretty disapproving of it, and they had every right to be. That's part of mentorship. Part of them being parents, they're like, you should have kept your word about the two weeks. And they got over it quick, but I just felt so discouraged from that job and everything else, man. Here I was, a 21-year-old. I had tears in my eyes. I went to the room and laid down, just put my, my hand on my forehead. My brother came in there and said, hey, you all right? Yeah, my little brother, he was about 16 at the time. He said, hey, you've done good. This touches my heart to even bring it up. 
He said, man, you've, you've been a real, man, you've been real successful in that area, and you left, and you got a different job now. Who knows what it's going to be? And he said, I, you're going to leave town, aren't you? Just take a vacation between jobs. Go enjoy yourself, right? I said, yeah, I'm going to go visit Grandpa and Grandma and our cousins in Texas. And he said, good, that's good. Go enjoy yourself. This is all right. It's going to be okay. And I... My brother's come through it some times in my life where he just really encouraged me. I've seen my wife do that and my dad, and I've had others that have encouraged me. They didn't know it. But this one time in particular, man, I was all torn up about it. And he said, no, enjoy yourself. Forget about it. Forget about it. It's over. It's all right. You're doing fine, and you did well. Just real simple words from this teenage guy. He had all the wi- But in that moment, my little brother had all the wisdom in the world as he encouraged me. And iron sharpened iron. Touched my heart. True friendship. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. You need someone you can trust, one-on-one, but you also need to connect in a small group at some point. We call them connect groups here. Please join one for your own benefit and your, your sake. Let's go to Proverbs 18.24 in the New King James Version. A man or woman, right? A person. Anyone who has friends must themselves be friendly. You've got to show yourself friendly to make friends, right? Say, man, I'm going to be an ogre like Shrek. Rawr, I'm an ogre. <laughs> nice job, Shrek, right? No, you've got to be friendly at some point if you're going to attract friends. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I believe this is talking about Jesus, but I believe it's also talking about you have those friends that are closer to you than your family at times. I know some of you, you say, man, my family's here now. I'm closer to people at church than I am to my extended family. That's amazing. And that's why you go to Connect Group. But let me just say this. You need friendship. You need honesty in your life. And you need accountability. You are called to connect as believers. Can I get an amen in this house? As humans, you're called to connect. So here's my points once again. And I love these things about small group. Accountability, which leads to honesty. Honesty is tied into accountability and also friendship. Someone say friendship. Mm-hmm. You wanna, one of the best places in the world for you to make friends is at work or at church or in a small group. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes today. I'm going to take my liberty here. and there's, As I feel led, I may do something a little different this morning. But we need to do this first, not just to check a box and say we did it. It's so important to me because I know it's so important to God. Is there anyone at the sound of my voice today who would say, Pastor Matt, I've never accepted Jesus or made him the Lord of my life. I have not lived right. If I died tonight or next week or next month, I don't know where I would spend eternity, whether it would be in heaven or hell. I want you to make peace with God today through Jesus. The perfect lamb, the sacrifice that made a way to God for us. If that's you today, you say, I don't know where I'd go if I died today, Pastor Matt. Would you raise your hand? I'm going to pray with you so you can accept Jesus. Raise your hand today. Let's agree. Thank you. God bless you for your courage. God bless you for your courage. Thank you for raising those hands. Let's agree now. Everybody in the house, repeat this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, save me. Please forgive me. I'm a sinner without you. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. Say, I believe and I confess 
that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Say, I believe he died and rose again. Save me, Lord. I believe. Thank you for saving me from hell and from myself. From my sin. In Jesus' name. Keep those eyes closed just for a minute. This is a kind of a private moment, a holy moment. I know I get people's attention when I mention that I was briefly sexually abused, and it was nothing compared to some of the stuff other people have gone through. Even Joyce Meyer, she testifies about the awful sexual abuse she faced and suffered at the hands of her father. But is there anyone in this house, keep your eyes closed, please, if you don't mind, for folks' privacy. If you need healing in your life, keep those eyes closed. From sexual abuse, you can stay in your seat today. Raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. This is, a, this is a tough prayer. This is a tough. Oh, y'all got courage. There's courage in this house today. Wow. Wow. I mentioned it, and your hands went up. And I know it broke God's heart when you were sexually abused. And it breaks my heart to know that you were. But I'm going to tell you right now, dear brother and sister, you're healed and you're free. Let's pray. I'm going to pray over you right now. Right where you are in your seats, just touch someone next to you if you would. If there's someone right next to you, just touch them, their hand, their shoulder. Let's agree as family today. Father, I thank you that those who have suffered through sexual abuse today are healed in Jesus' name. They had the courage, the boldness, the wherewithal to say, I've been there and I need healing. Lord, do an amazing deliverance today. Break every attack of the enemy, any spirits that would try to attack them or oppress them in their lives because of what happened, any lies of the enemy. I bring, break depression and anxiety, and I let them know today, ma'am, sir, brother, sister, it was not your fault. That sexual abuse was not your fault, and it's still not your fault today. But I say by the Spirit of God that you're healed. I say by the precious Holy Spirit of God that you are healed today. There's mercy for you and grace and kindness and forgiveness for other stuff you may have done, but the sexual abuse was not your fault. It was not your fault, and I declare healing over you today, and I encourage you to speak with someone, whether it's joining a small group here and talking about it to someone, talking to someone you love and trust, preferably someone who has Christ's perspective on things, Jesus Christ's perspective on things, a Christian perspective. But I declare you healed and free and transformed and moving on in power and God's grace. You are free in Jesus' name.